this is the hard truth tony schaefer powered by six hour never settle i don't you shouldn't uh, i had a choice of what i carried in combat i carried the best the best is six hours so again six hour never settle we are on the america out loud talk radio network also available on the america out loud podcast network check us out project sentinel project sentinel.net london center for policy research londoncenter.org and we're on all the social media sites known to mankind so uh, we are joined today for a special episode of The Hard Truth with Riss Flex. Riss, welcome to The Hard Truth. Thank you so much for having me, Tony Schaefer. It's nice so, to see you again. Yeah, so um, I'm, I, I, I've talked you up amongst the team, which we'll talk about you behind your back later if you're on or not, just saying. And uh, I, one of the things I'm fascinated by is that you have the ability to think for yourself. And, and I, I think, and, and I hope you take this as a compliment. It's meant as a compliment. The basic premise of so many uh, folks today, both, I mean, not, not just your generation, but others, uh, just accept things at face value. They don't ask hard questions. And, and I was fascinated when you first asked me to, to be interviewed by you on your show. And I, I always enjoyed joining you. I thought we had great conversations. And so now that I got a radio program, I wanted you to come on to talk more about how you became you and how we, the old fogies like myself and others who have kind of been around for a while, can help uh, instill uh, with you the idea that we should have deep and uh, abiding discussions on key issues. How, how did you get to be you? Kind of uh, just a little bit about you and how you got to where you're at. I think just the short answer is my parents always really pushed me to ask a lot of questions. And I, you know, have memories of them sort of getting annoyed with how many questions I would ask, but they never sort of shut me down for it. And so mm-hmm. um, my brother got really sick when we were in high school. And that was the first uh, wake up call for me and my family realizing that the medical establishment wasn't the answer to his ailments that actually caused him to be bedridden with all of the steroids that they gave him. So we took his health into our own hands and started going to doctors to figure out um, what he was deficient in, if he had any heavy metal toxicities, and that helped him get better, Um, Mm -hmm. finding out what he was allergic to, just taking full panels of, you know, his body specifically. And everybody is very unique with what they need. And um, so we just took it into our own hands and, you know, question everything. So that was the start of it. And then that took me on a huge health journey in college. I was just buying health books and just doing my own research on that. You know, you're um, not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to check things out for yourself, according to the left. You're supposed to just take what they say and accept it. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I, I even through doing research, like all I do all day now is research. I've even noticed sometimes on the right, people get really caught up in the news and you have to look in depth into these articles and do your own research within themselves. Like, for example, there was this uh, big case that came out of Cleveland, Ohio recently, where like there's this article, 32 children went missing in two weeks. And the local sheriff is saying they've never seen anything like it. And like a bunch of conservatives are thinking that there's this huge human trafficking ring going around in Cleveland and it's out of control. 32 children. Oh, my God. So I ran the numbers with my accountant. And we find out that the average for Cleveland, Ohio, for parents to just report that their child is missing, just calling and saying, hey, I can't find my child. Their average number is 48. We took the average of the entire state and then the average of Cleveland, specifically the population. They said last year, 
15,000 kids went missing for the whole state. So that's like 576 for the whole state. And then 15% is Cleveland, Ohio's population. So you divide them. 48 is their average. Yeah. And everybody's freaking out this week that 32 are missing in two weeks. Wow. It, so it's, it's under average. Yeah. Everyone's freaking out. So the first thing that I, my question is for this news article that is going around in conservative circles mm-hmm. is um, who is this sheriff that is telling everybody to freak out right now? Yeah. There was no Amber alert, which means that everybody involved agrees that the children are not in any danger or harm. Right. Like, but the world is freaking out. Well, this brings me to a larger issue. Um, one of the things I get criticized about all the time is that I, I, my job, I always tell people is to call balls and strikes. It's not to be political. Now I know, you know, I, I, I'm a Reagan, I'm a Reagan Republican. I still, I just met with Ed Meese a few days ago for a mentorship session. Um, and we've, you know, I, I, I run with the Reagan guys. I love them. They, they protected me when I was a whistleblower. So I feel very close to them. But I, I do, I will call out anybody to include folks. I know I was a whistleblower against the Bush 43 White House. People tend to forget I went against a Republican White House because of, you know, wrongdoing. No part, you know, wrongdoing is yeah. not uh, the, the sole domain of the left. It, the people on both sides do it, as you just point out. There's a, there's I love confusing both sides and stirring people up because they're like, what? That's like, good. For example, when um, I was watch- I was reading an article on the website, um, one of the websites that you run yeah. about how Hillary Clinton's Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton were funding Boris Yeltsin's campaign or something. So like, meanwhile, Democrats are going Russia, 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 but they're funding Russian politicians and their campaigns. Yeah. So like the whole thing is a joke. Yeah, I know. So and that's one of the things I got in trouble because I've actually gone to conservative conferences. And and one of the things I called out people on early, and I think maybe we even talked about this, is this so-called the Q idea that uh, 10,000 sealed indictments exist. It's like, what? (laughs) So I, I, you know, I went to a a conference down in Texas that John B. Wells hosted. I like John. John's a really good guy. He tries to get information out. So I'm at this conference and I get this question. I'm on stage. And it's like, and, and um, Tanya was there, by the way, Tanya was at this event. And so I get this question. I say, they say, you know, well, when are they going to activate all these 10,000? When are they going to arrest, do all the arrests? Like there's not, there's not 10,000 sealed indictment. It's like, and then as much as you want to believe it. Exactly. Thank you. So it's like people's aspirations cannot be equated to factual truth and the reality in which we live. And I, and I, I really felt bad. It's like, like, I'm sorry, do you understand? And I try to explain to them, it's like how to think for themselves. Do you understand how big a, 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 a law enforcement and legal uh, infrastructure would be required to basically inform 10,000 people they're being invested for, investigated for criminal actions, all the lawyers investi- uh, involved, all the facilities are going to be involved to lock people up and process them and all the, the people who have to ma- then manage the prosecutions. Do you understand how many people it's a factor, an order of magnitude more than 10,000 to prosecute 10,000. You'd like need a hundred thousand people. This would be observable. And so I went through my logic train and people just got upset with me. I, they got really upset. And exactly. I, I like you get a, have a similar experience in this sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of times, you know, I'll may, I'll maybe, when there's something that big that's going around and people really will hate anybody that that speaks opposite to that, I just have to stay silent and wait until it plays itself out. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, I told you, like, 
it's not happening. Yeah. Like, well, you should, you not share that. Cause I mean, I, there's many times in my last, even the last couple of years, like I told you that's going to happen. You should have listened and they didn't. And uh, this recently, I think you were aware I've been vindicated regarding the pallet of ballots thing. The, the post office report just came out and I'll be doing some interviews on that where, yeah, Jesse Morgan did indeed, uh, basically, uh, confirm through their internal report that basically everything he said was correct. And here we are two years later, not able to do anything about it, even though at the time in 2020, it's like, yeah, we said this was going on and, you know, we're coming up on almost on two and a half years. So it's really frustrating yeah. to watch, uh, the trends of things where, you know, you're right. And yet people just don't seem to want to listen. Now, why do you think that is? Is that, um, do people not want to listen because of their personal bias, which uh, some people, one of the things I've seen as an intelligence officer is, is something called confirmation bias. People set up with a, without a, set out with a certain number of factual uh, truths, and then they project those things into an outcome. Is, do you find that to be true, or is it just ignorance that basically result, encourages people to not think for themselves and come up with the correct answers or listen to what we're saying to them? Probably a little bit of both. I think a lot of people, when they read something repetitively over and over again, and then it, in, in their mind, in their reality, it is a truth for someone to give you evidence of the contrary, it sort of like shakes up your reality a little bit. It makes you yeah. maybe feel, feel stupid. Well, I, you, you know, don't believe you've I, been punked. I've never been uh, against feeling stupid because I feel stupid every day. If I get, you know, I, I make stupid mistakes. That's something that I must say that I was raised under the assumption that I was like the stupidest person in my school. Yeah. I had an attention disorder, but my parents didn't believe in like f medicating me with pharmaceuticals. So they would take me out of the classroom and I was in a one-on-one -on -one classroom with teachers for like certain subjects like math because mm -hmm. I was like, I just couldn't uh, focus in the classroom. Um, and then in high school, because I wasn't in like the Spanish classes, they would take me out of a foreign language and take me into these special rooms to study extra on subjects that I was be like behind in. Yeah. So I didn't learn a foreign language until like really late in my, in my education. And then I was in classes with younger people. So like my whole life, I was sort of like the dumb kid. And then yeah. I taught myself a foreign language once I got out of school because I really wanted to learn one, but I never had the opportunity in school. So, you know, it's just teach their own. Um, so yeah. And so um, I think that's the thing about being intellectually curious. No, I was the same way. I, I, um, I was kind of an outcast. I did my own thing. Uh, I was kind of a happy-go-lucky rebel. Uh, you know, I did things like get our entire high school drunk when we went to the Lancers Wine Factory in, in Lisbon and uh, blew up toilets with... Uh, with uh, Ew! What's yeah. Oh, it was great. Oh, I'm... Oh blew up God. toilets? Uh, yeah. So, you know, you take the stuff, uh, potassium, you take pure potassium. Oh, my God. I thought you were saying, like, diarrhea. No, no, no. No, no. <laughs> I'm talking about real explosives that really blow okay. up. I mean, I'm talking... So... Basically, you take potassium, oh, wow. pure potassium. Did you know that? You, you can get it. And I would I had a key to the science lab so I could get my own chemicals, just saying. And I would go in and we would take these things and we would throw them in toilets and blow them up. And they literally it would blow up toilets. It was great. It was very um, 1979. It was great. Anyway, and then I hung out with the Marine Guards. So obviously, anytime you hang out with Marines, your IQ automatically drops 10 points. Just saying. I mean, I'm not there's not I love Marines. But uh, something about eating Alpo pizzas and crayons will drop your IQ uh, uh, like a like a rock. It, uh, speaking from experience, so that was my high school experience. But but uh, within the context of that, we all had the the advantage of actually being left to our own devices. I think and thinking things through yourself. Like you said, your parents had challenges. 
during those challenges, they actually gave you some good skills to think through and, and question things. And yeah. Yeah, you know, like the common understanding when you're going through education is if you want to get a really good career and mm -hmm. an established job when you get out is yeah. do like the academic route, you know, business, science, math, all this. But my brain just didn't work that way. And yeah. but I was still like a really dedicated, driven student. Like I really wanted to learn. I just couldn't. So I was in like the art classes. And so I'm actually like a really good painter. I have a painting business, too. Um, but you know, I've made it, I've made a, a great route for myself in this alternative space. Like it, it, it's a smaller percentage, but like you can still make a living and you can still push forth in whatever area of study that you want. And you don't have to listen to what the teachers and most parents will tell you, like, you know, just go be a doctor, go be a lawyer. Like, no, I, I actually have been able to make, you know, much more than some of these people just through my own like dedication to, you know, what I want in life. So well, it's important to know that. I mean, that's the other thing too. Um, I don't know if this is a, I know we need to get to a narrative here in a second. I see the note, but um, I kind of knew what I wanted to do from an early age. When I was 16, I was actually talking to my son about this day because he's 16. And I said, you know, by the time I was 16, I kind of knew I wanted to be a spy. I had a feeling I wanted to do it. I kind of had, like you, a curiosity. Ultimately, when I started thinking about what to do in life, I wanted to know what the, I wanted to know about reality. Why do things work the way they do? Why do we as human beings think certain ways? And so I actually honestly thought, hey, being a spy, being an intelligence officer would be the way to do that. It would be a way of figuring out knowledge, obtaining knowledge. So that's why I decided at 16, I want to be a spy, believe it or not. And so from there on, I had no idea how I was going to do it. But that was what my heart, my essence, uh, my soul, whatever you want to call who we are inside, depending on your deity or, or uh, religious uh, uh, spirituality you believe in, that's what I felt I was called to do. And from there on, because I wanted to be a spy, I was actually curious about everything. And I always presumed I'm not the smartest person in the room. As a matter of fact, I'm probably the dumbest person and I'm going to ask hard questions. And I always found asking hard questions started getting me in trouble pretty early on, which is like um, confusing. I don't yeah. know if you have the same issue, but it's like just asking basic questions really started getting me in trouble. And it's like, I'm just trying to find out what's going on here. So. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't question the establishment because that will definitely get you yeah. in trouble. Um, I was born left-handed and my grandmother and my mom's entire side of the family went to like Catholic school and they believed that the devil wrote with their left hand. So my grandmother was always switching it to the right hand and now I'm a right-handed person, but like yeah. she, they didn't like that. I was using my left hand. Don't yeah. question it. Don't question it. So, so Speaking yeah. of questioning, let's talk about the 9-11 narrative. I guess there's yeah. some things you want to go through on that, which I'm happy to address. You know, so while, while we're on the speaking topic of, of questioning authority, yeah. Yeah. When I, you know, I was in elementary school discovering that uh, I am an artistic brained child and I was being taken out of classrooms for certain subjects. Um, one of the things that I remember from elementary school is the events of 9-11 and mm -hmm. they were projected on the television. I, I was in class that day. All the teachers had the TVs on and we were just watching everything. And um, so I was really young. You know, I didn't know what was going on. Someone else that was in actually my grade were the Horrocks's. This is whole, it's so crazy how small this world is. So Michael Horrocks is one of the co-pilots for one of the airplanes that got hijacked. 
Wow. Yeah. And she was their whole family, um, Mick, Krista, and then one of their relatives was in my grade. Like their whole family was in elementary school in the same school building with me when this whole thing was going down. Mm-hmm. And there's a memorial, a 9-11 memorial in the back of our elementary school. Um, it's so crazy. So it sort of impacted me in that way, just seeing, you know, friends and close people. So it more basically this had an impact on your, your, your the, the origins of your critical thinking were partially inspired by what you observed regarding 9-11. Would that be an accurate? Yeah, also yeah, just being involved with some of the realities of it, too. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't want to believe, like, an airplane was even involved. And, like, so there's some crazy theories out there about all of I know. it. But... I deal with them all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And so this, yeah. so this is where you and I share this. Obviously, you and I have talked about the 9-11 issues a few times before. And I, I have tried hard to stick to the things I personally knew to be factual or observed myself. And I, I, and I know that's not always true of folks who get involved in the 9-11 stuff. And I, I, I figured the best way I could be of service to the, to, to, to the public and to people like you is always only commenting definitively on things I personally was involved in not, and not expanding past my story, like saying, oh, uh, there was probably micro nukes. Like, you know, I, and by the way, I don't believe there was just saying, but I'm just saying that there's all these different theories out there. Yeah. I've stayed away from it's like, no, if, if you want to ask me about 9-11, I will uh, specifically address those items and issues that relate to what you want to know. Uh, and that's it uh, regarding what my experience was, nothing else. So, um, yeah, that, I was told by like some people that were in government around that time that there might have been um, some explosives in the building, but they'll never tell us that. So there's no point of talking about so, it because then you'll get discredited. But that's so the thing. Just, well, but but that, see that that's the point, Riz, is that I believe the folks who did 9-11 actually engaged in this disinformation campaign to poison the, the, the well. That is to say that they would actually imbue like Cass Sustern. Is that the guy's name? I always try to bring him up. He actually talked about doing uh, essentially the, a penetration of the 9-11 truth movement to discredit it. Cass Sustern. Yes. Thank you. And, and then, so that's the point. It's like, um, they were out to prevent any, uh, direct examination of factual, uh, uh, oh, the whole thing. The whole thing yeah. is a huge smear campaign. It's a joke. Right. I mean, right. and just seeing what these people are up to now right. is just more credibility towards the beliefs that we have yeah. in our moment. But oh my God, um, like who do we even want to talk about? There's huge running lists. We, the Sandy Berger who stuffed oh my documents God. No, I, into his pants I talked from about the National today. Archives. Yeah. No, and look, you or I did that. We'd be in jail for the rest of our lives. That was oh. espionage and destruction of, of, of oh. top secret. And by the way, I think we talked about this, that some of the documents he pulled out was the, the notice to President Clinton of able danger, about the able danger capability, that that was part of what he destroyed. And it's like, we knew it. It's like, in fact, we were trying to get this information out in part of hearings. We were prevented by uh, multiple folks, even on our side. We couldn't talk about this. And it was like, how is it you guys don't want to actually examine this down to the factual level that we need to understand what happened and that certain things were briefed and people either took no, no, uh, no action to prevent or people like Jamie Gorelick, the Gorelick memo actually prevented and precluded information being shared at critical times relating to a, a, a threat that we knew was coming. I consider, I call her the deep state. She's a part of the deep state. I don't care what people say. 
do you want do you know what she's been up to now okay no. so she works at the wilmer hale law firm right yeah jamie Grell. the wilmer hale law firm is protecting caroline ellison they're re she's representing oh. they're representing caroline ellison be, be, uh, be in her there. role with the sbf yeah. crypto scandal wow okay that's a, that's a huge clue by the way because i thought I b uh b what's his name uh, btf or bxf SBF. what's his name sam bankman freed sam bankman freed sbf yeah i get i get those acronyms and uh, anyway no i thought he was he was laundering money for the democrat party and that's what oh, they, they were yeah. It, all the all the stolen funds from people, it went over to Ukraine and then it went laundered back to Democratic politicians pockets. So Ellison's parents both worked with Gary Gensler, the head of the SEC, when they taught at MIT together. Yeah, they all taught at MIT together. OK, so this girl is like really intertwined. And then you have Jamie Grillick's Wilmer Hill law firm come in and represent her. There's more. The Wilmer Hill law firm is also defending little E's, I call him little E, Epstein's friends at J.P. Morgan against the lawsuit by the U.S. Virgin Islands over their part in Epstein's predator ring. Okay, mm. this is what Jamie Gorelick's oh, law firm yeah. Wilmer Hill yeah. is up to. So, these so really yeah, I've, I've been arguing for a while now that all these things are strung together. There, it's a massive spider web of evil. And if you start pulling one strand, you go to another element of, of the web. And I, I just don't know. So, I, you know, that's part of my question to you is how do we get people like you uh, and frankly, others, too. But your generation, you're the ones who are going to take all this mess over, Riss. How, how do you how do we get more people like you to be aware of the very things we've been just talking about? This this massive uh, gobbledygook web of, of evil that I don't think people fully understand how is how dangerous to our, our lifestyle and a republic. I think that there's a lot of people that are my age that are into this stuff and researching it and trying mm -hmm. to speak on it. I know so many people that have had their channels just deleted because I've of things that they say and the way they say them. So I yeah. feel like I'm one of the only ones that have really been uh, strategic about how I word things to prevent the algorithms from censoring me and deleting my channel. Yeah. Um, but I know a lot of people that were my age that have you know, tried. But, but so, so I understand the need to educate and I, and that's good. And we're trying to work right now on strategies to expand, uh, not only knowledgeability, but actions we must take. Because one of the things that came up this morning, I was on a interview and, um, the question became up, I think it was on American voice news. It's like, it's very clear that Merrick Garland's compromised Comey, wait, right, they're all compromised. So how do we go about trying to push back? And my answer was the 10th amendment. You've got to start looking to the States because not all States are corrupt. There are some less corrupt than others, but recognizing that there should be a, a common interest between states of the republic and individuals to prevent this duality of justice that exists. I mean, the idea, I, I don't know if you're a fan of Trump or not. I don't care. Uh, but the fact is they continue to go after him for things which are, they may be something, maybe something to it, maybe not, I don't know, but things that are patently uh, obvious on the left, like Hunter Biden. Uh, some of the things that apparently are coming true regarding Joe Biden are never investigated. So either we have a justice system that is balanced and goes after wrongdoing, period, or we have a political uh, Gestapo that the FBI and DOJ enforce for a political party. And if, and if that's the case, then we're going to have we're not going to have a republic the right we're going. So 
I mean, just going back to the people that were involved with 9-11 continually getting caught up with things that they should be in jail for after 9-11, like on top of that, like, you know, covering up documents, like hiding things from the public, trying to protect themselves, writing legislation to prevent themselves from getting getting trouble. And they're still getting caught for things. So, like, I feel like with those big things, we have to we have to call them out. Right. So that's what I try to do is at least just just keep bringing awareness to it because it's unfortunate that the media is not going to do that. Um, like, for example, another little deep stater I like to call out, her name is Natalie Jaresco. And I don't know if you know who she mm-hmm. is, but she no. was in the State Department with the Clintons, um, you know, leading up to 9-11. And she has now been caught up with a predator ring with David Levitt out of Utah, the Levitt no. Institute. He was just caught for um, a ritual S ring and she was the finance minister. She is the finance minister of Ukraine. She was also um, running the finances in Puerto Rico where they say there's this huge CIA child trafficking ring down there. Um, And now she, and she's on the board of the Leva Institute and the head of that institution was literally just caught and he's in court right now in Utah for this exact thing. Yeah. So I don't, I think that at least the people that are involved when like with more things than one should be investigated, but you know, it's not my position. I'm not the prosecutor. Right. So. But that's a problem is that we have people who don't understand the context and, and, and do the research you do. So anyway, so uh, it's been great having you on for this first half hour of one-on-one. I appreciate you being here. Um, uh, you're welcome to stick around for the second half of the show and uh, with the rest of the team. Would you like to do that? Is that okay with you? Sure. I can stick around for a little bit. Yeah. You don't mind? I mean, because we I, they, they all have questions for you, and I think you'll enjoy the conversation. Okay. So, all right. So this is part one of the Heart Truth. Uh, Tony Schaefer, uh, Riz Flex is our, our guest today. We're going to roll out, do some, uh, some bill paying, and come back right back uh, for part two. Stay tuned. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. 
Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. It was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, Lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Hey, this is Art Two with Art Two with Tony Shaper, powered by Six Hour Never Settle. Uh, we're on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network, also available on the America Out Loud Podcast Network. Check us out on Project Sentinel, projectsentinel.net, London Center for Policy Research, LondonCenter.org. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, every known social media outlet on the face of the planet, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Rumble, well, at least the ones that count, right? And then, of course, uh, a shout out to our friend, friend of the show, uh, all around good egg, Cherie Curry, who does our bumper music, who does our theme. So, uh, you know. We love Cherie. Cherie loves the show, so we're all happy. So we're rolling into part two. Uh, we're joined now by the rest of the crew, the uh, the dazzling Tanya Miller from Hawaii, looking all uh, suntanned and happy. Uh, Elizabeth Breckenkamp, the, the ferocious Elizabeth Breckenkamp. I'm ferocious. And, and <laughs> I read your book. Splendid bastard, the splendid uh, Chris Cordani doing the boards and really keeps the show. Hi, hey, <laughs> and then we're back with Riss. Riss, thank you for sticking around to part two, so you can actually talk to the rest of the team. So, thanks so for having we, me. Yeah, yeah. We, so, we, so we were going through and talking about philosophy. I can't even say that word. Philosophy, rubber baby buggy bumpers. Philosophy, uh, and and uh, how we have gotten to where we're at, that is you and I, and kind of our philosophy of life, and then how others have been reluctant to listen to our, our musings or predictions or forecasts, whatever you care to call them, and then how we then should deal with some of this stuff. And I, I, I think the one thing that we all recognize that is one of the big uh, threads of the web is the 9-11 uh, issue. I, I, don't even know, I, I don't even know how to, to describe it because there's so many aspects of it which I have been as a mosaic. There's, there's like a mosaic of things out there and no one has able, ever been able to kind of put the mosaic together to get a clear and concise picture because I think there's, there's clearly the deep state effort to, to prevent that from happening. So let's roll right into that. Uh, uh, team, who, who wants to go first and talk a little bit more about that with Riss and ask her some questions about some of this? Well, I, I would like to go ahead and ask Riss. I mean, I, I don't think they don't even have a prepared statement or anything. I'm I'm just curious what uh, I, I have a lot of my own 9-11 research and you have a whole plethora. Of some you, you dropped some names in the first segment. Um, and so I'm kind of curious, what is it that you uh, 
what what is it that's still outstanding for you on your re, your 9-11 research or your big ones that you want people to look further into and some things that you would like to share and uh, make sure yeah you know it's it's um frustrating when we don't see the people that in, were involved uh brought justice but it's entertaining um to sit back you know with our popcorn and see these people and what they're doing today in their everyday lives a lot of them um, not only are they getting caught up with things themselves, but so it's easy to track, right? Like we know who's involved with it and now what are they doing? And when they pop up in the news for doing stuff or they get killed, it's really fascinating and it, in mm. really mysterious ways. Yeah. Um, right. So like mm-hmm. Dana Hyde, for example, she was in the state department um, with the Clintons. She just passed away in a plane crash. Actually, I'm sorry. It wasn't a plane crash. No, it was tur- turbulent air turbulence over well, New they- Jersey. They say it was some type of turbulence, but she right. was the only person in the plane that died and everybody mm-hmm. else survived. Right. So, investigating that? Is anybody actually investigating that now? Or is right, so she knows that? a lot. She knew a lot of information, right? Because she was in the State Department when 9 11 was going down, right? With the Clintons. She was part of the Aspen Institute with like Natalie Juresco, right? Um, her husband also worked for the government and got like a billion dollar contract for one of his companies. So he got a billion dollars just with a snap of his hands for his little company to right? Like, so mm -hmm. something's, you gotta be a part of a club if you get billion dollars with a snap of your fingers. So Mm -hmm. he went to Yale, graduated in 1982. So I um, did an interview with the founder of Marco Polo USA research group who has like the, the most uh, thorough documents of the Hunter Biden laptop online, accessible for everybody. He says it's almost hard to believe that DeSantis and anybody that graduated from Yale that's in a very influential position of power is not a part of Skull and Bones. So it's this like secret society with Yale oh. that has a lot of these very influential people in it, right? So her husband, Jonathan Chambers, graduated from Yale in 1982. Owned the plane. Interesting. He he looks terrifying, if you ask me. Um, mm. But I just so the I, secret society. So you're like noticing, you know, some of the secret societies no, or the yeah, traditional yeah. societies, and it goes back to placing uh, individuals in the hope in high places or helping assist people in high places. I know that's what a lot of people. That's what it kind of shows. Mm. That, you know, the pedigree, and then the hope is that. If you have this loyalty of this group, then the hope is that we'll be able to control and manage you. And a lot of times that seems to be the case and maybe not always. And then a, a scary demise or something happens. But yeah, it's it's not um, unheard of to look at associations and groups of people. And then you have to watch closely. What are their actions and what do they say? But I've how also, interesting. I've also been told. But the woman's husband was part of the society, but the, his the wife was not. And so her husband owned the plane, but she was the only one. The wife died because of turbulence and nobody else. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Weird. I'm not sure where Dana Hyde went to college. I'd have to look into that. Um, but yeah, that's just, interesting. Like you said, they're all part of that society, but his wife was not. Well, I'm, I'm not, not sure the name if Dana so. was or not. But just yeah. like, even like she says, like the same, like the circles. And you yeah. look at the, oh, yeah. they the protect each positions. Other. And this yeah. is why when they're vying for very important positions and they want somebody, when I say they, if we're just theorizing about de- deep state, 
It's um, somebody that you can control, whether because of loyalty that you've seen and witnessed or a black male, which is, of course, the whole Epstein situation. The Clintons Clintons just use blackmail to get whatever they want. Mm -hmm. You know, I love pulling up articles whenever I talk about something on my YouTube channel, because like I like to have a reference so that it's not like something I just pulled out of my head. But we have pulled up articles that people have have compiled like almost a hundred, like dozens and dozens of former Clinton associates that have Mm -hmm. been killed. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I was told that when you, when you know too much and you, they don't trust you, if they don't have blackmail on you or something, they'll just have to kill you. Well, Um, there's lots of crimes that connect. Oh, I interrupted you again. Sorry. (laughs) There's lots of crimes that connect to the Clintons though. Aren't there like a a whole history and it goes all the way back from Mena, Arkansas, but actually the ties that bind all the way around. And you look at the administrations and the figures that they align with, even though we thought they were enemies like the Bushes and Clintons, we look, you know, back at the open border policy from way back when, well, maybe they were champions of open border policies because of uh, trafficking and issues that we're looking at today now. That's right. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. Uh, that's possibly from the TV show South Lawn, where the guy says, oh, my God, they killed Vince Foster. You bastard. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I did an interview. No, you brought that up. Let's bring let's, let's talk about that for a second, because course, I know the guy I know the guy who discovered the body in Fort Marcy Park. I don't want to say who he is, oh. but he's someone he's a, he's the husband of someone who's a ma- mainstream media person. And I talked to him directly about what happened. He said he was he was working at the White House as a military uh, deputy at the time. You know, one of those I think he was a captain. And basically, Vince Foster went missing, went missing. So it's like the White House says, oh, you got to go find him. And it's like, why? You know, it's like an unusual thing. It's like who sends people out looking for missing people who are only missing like two hours. I mean, this is like, he's gone. Oh, he's missing. Like it's been two hours. Okay. So they send him out and they give him hints to like where to go. Look, it's like, okay, this is anyway. So he ends up on, on the, on the parkway. Uh, We've all, you know, those of us in DC have driven the parkway from, you know, the Pentagon up to, uh, to 95, uh, 395, 395. So he gets ahead and he goes, and he goes to Fort Marcy park. And sure enough, he goes into the parking lot, sees Foster's car. That's a clue. Uh, and then he walks down the bank, and then he find, he's the first guy to find Vince Foster's body. Do you know what the most peculiar thing about the Vince Foster body was? Oh. Two bullet holes in the head. Who? How do you shoot yourself twice in the head when you commit suicide? Oh, my God. In case you missed the first time, of course. Well, I get, well no, I guess both of them hit. So I guess the first one is redundant to the second. I it's just like one of those Epstein aids that were found on the Heifer farm. He was tied to a tree with a gunshot wound in his, he- in his yeah. chest, and there was no gun in sight. Yeah. And Epstein is And that was suicide, right? Okay. Yeah, that was suicide. Yeah. But there was and no these gun. extremely obvious murder, su- like t- suicided. These are so blatant and gross and in our face. And it's gone back. Even Oklahoma City bombing, there was mm-hmm. Officer Terrence Yakey, who was a hero who helped save children from the Marab building. It was in Time magazine. And he started researching what happened himself. The next thing you know, his family was telling his family he was concerned he was being followed. Next thing you know, he's hanging and has uh, bullets and stuff. Yeah, it's, I mean, it was clearly mm. couldn't have been uh, a suicide. suicide. Yeah, so they yeah. they are very in their in our faces about this whole thing. When I say they, I mean I don't. You can theorize all you want who's doing this, but it's clear it's not a suicide when you see those types of things. Absolutely not. It's, it's as much of a You're suicide right. as Marilyn Monroe's was. Right. Absolutely. Chris, yeah. Oh, right. Who was that um, couple that you hooked up an interview for me with? 
it was a lady and a male. One worked for a uh, Supreme Court justice and the other one did a, a book about the archaeology under the Vatican. Ooh, um, so I did, a, I did an interview with them and, um, and they were Ooh. saying that depending on, from their research, depending on like um, how the murder happened, if it was like an elite person, will we'll tell you who killed them. Oh, wow. So, like, if they, right. Yeah. So like they have things that they can inject in you to make it look like you died of a heart attack. Heart attack. And then you know mm -hmm. that that was like, it's, it's like code. Then right. you would know, you know that's a small what, what country did it. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Injected into your vein. Yeah. Or how, before, we yeah. Get, before we get to Tony's takes a little bit later, I have one more thing about September 11th. I want to ask all of you. After the 19, and, and again, people act like the first uh, World Trade Center attack, the first World Trade Center bombing did not happen in 1993. After that, you have Jamie Gorlick, who, by the way, back in, what was it, 2016, 2017, raved about our current uh, uh, attorney general uh, as a... as a Mary uh, Garland? Uh, yeah, Mary as a... Garland. Jamie Gorlick raved about Merrick Garland as a, a consummate public servant, I believe. You can find that on... on you can look that one up. He's but, consummate, but not a public servant. That's right. Hey, the only thing Merrick Garland, the only thing Merrick Garland has done over the last many years was prove to us that how much of a bullet we dodged back in 2016. You're That's quoting, a different story for a different, different day. attorney general who actually said the very same words to me just within the last week. An attorney wow. general did the exact same thing. Just saying, I don't want to give his name out, but you can probably figure who it was. So Jamie Gorlick, so Jamie Gorlick, knowing all of what happened before, knowing that there's a lawyer that, that Lynn Stewart was was moving, possibly moving messages back and forth for him says that two intelligence agencies or intelligence agencies couldn't share their information beforehand. It's almost like she was hoping something would happen. I yeah. mean, that, that's, that's speculation on my part, yeah. but that's something it, it, it's common sense goes against that. Oh, See? no, you're right. Absolutely. Same. Right. Common, well, common I, sense. So, <laughs> you know, obviously Riss and I talked a little bit about the gorilla issue, but yeah, I think everybody has to jump in because it's very obvious if you're tying the hands of those who are trying to protect the nation by making stupid restrictions. And, and yeah, so just so you guys know some history, and I think Riss and I may have talked about this on our show. Um, as we developed the Able Danger mission set for Special Operations Command to take offensive action against Al-Qaeda, that is to say, go out and mm -hmm. kill them, we developed an understanding of linkages. And so one of those linkages was to Al, uh, uh, the uh, Al-Tohimi and uh, Atah, to being directly linked to bin Laden and his inner circle and that they were here, that they were physically here in the United States. And that information became, uh, oh, forbidden. You can't look at these guys because they're here legally. It's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, you know, I think criminals are here legally too, but you still lock them up. And so yeah. beyond that, then they, they made us put stickies over the faces of these guys who were here legally. It's like, you can't look at these guys. It's like, what do you mean you can't look at them? You, oh, no. You, you have to ignore them. And this is all based on the Gorelick memo. And then so then we decided oh, there's something wrong with this. If we can't look at them, we get a, we have to give this information to the FBI. And we tried three separate times to pass it to the, to, to the, to the Washington field mm -hmm. office for them to take action. And every single freaking time, lawyers shut down those meetings. Mm -hmm. Now, doesn't that tell you there's something very that. important about those people with the stickers over their faces? I Doesn't would've... that tell you there's right. a connection here that they're trying to cover? It's I mean, obvious. Look at mm. where the hijackers trained for getting their pilot license on how to fly in Florida. It's the oh, same yeah, airport. Yeah. It's the same airport that Epstein uh, helped. Oh, his, his I didn't girls, know that. Oh, yeah, fly, get, get their licenses. 
That's interesting. And don't you think it's weird that when they were taking their their uh, pilot training, they never uh, showed up for uh, the class on how to land. They weren't interested in learning how to land. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what they that's say. They, they do say that. To the instructors, the instructors mm -hmm. like, hey, these guys never show up for that class. <laughs> I wonder why. Oh, that, that you can say the same thing about me, though. I, I I never showed up, or I never knew how to parallel park. I was lucky to have my driving <laughs> test in a, a driving test in a blizzard, so I didn't have to parallel park. There's um, so many unanswered yeah. questions. You don't like the way I drive? Stay off the sidewalk. That's basically what I tell people. If you if you drive in a blizzard, no nobody cares how you park. Right. Trust me on that. It's just like <laughs> getting it off the street is the well. The yeah. problem is they got away with 9/11. They got away with JFK murder they got away with rfk's murder they got away with mlk except for a civil case that the family brought and so you know we finally have rfk jr bringing up these topics and thankfully you know all in swirled in these these false flags are you know 9-11 we're looking at because there's too many daggone unanswered questions and evidence that the 9-11 commission did not look at and refused to look at and we were cover up like the warren commission so I just find it interesting that we have RFK Jr. in the lineup now, and all of these things are swirling back together. So what are your thoughts, mm -hmm. Riss? I know we've got Tony's take coming up, but I'm just excited about it because I think this brings up the conversations about UFOs, 9-11, all these the assassinations that are unsolved and that we know we don't have all the truth. It's just an, an exciting time. Um, so specifically about like, Robert F. Kennedy. Yeah. Or just your thoughts about revelations in our in our time right. right now to have this, you know. That they're trying to bring it forward, it's, you know. Mm -hmm. Revelations. Well, again, yeah. people back when it was written thought it was going to happen back then. So different story. Yeah. True. <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think part of part of it being able to be playing out is us consenting to it right so displaying it in front of us to see telling us it's going to happen and then mm -hmm. just, you know allowing it mm -hmm. it is about that time again though yeah, everybody yeah. is it that what? time that's right that time. we never settle and neither does yeah. sig sour sig sour brings <laughs> us tony's takes and we're gonna just what we get to, we ask tony a bunch of questions and he gives us the hot take and we hear from the rest of the crew as well Tucker Carlson's back. This is an easy one. Tucker Carlson's back, and he did pretty well on Twitter. Uh, what's your take? So um, Tucker is going about doing the work of the entire mainstream media on a, in a single social media site. He's just laying it out. Um, I think it's incredible that his show, I think it used to garner like $5 million a night, garnered something like 23, 23, no, 5 million. He had 23 million folks tune into his Twitter thing. Wow. So I, I think it's like there, there's something to it. And I think maybe in some ways, dare I say, maybe Fox was holding him back. Was that, is that possible? <laughs> being held back? I don't huh. know. Yeah. Because uh, it's very clear that people just want to hear an assessment of things which are not regurgitated by those corporate interests which have huge investments by BlackRock, by Big Pharma, by big industry, by the left and right. So maybe Tucker's onto something here. I don't know. What do you all think? Mm -hmm. Well, first off, it clearly tells us that the internet is definitely, no matter what anybody's been saying, the wave of the future and cable news might be falling <laughs> downward to mm -hmm. a point where it's 
it's going to be just a bunch of uh, it's going to be like old talk radio. And mm -hmm. I, I love talk radio. I listen to it. But the fact is, I am in my 50s and we're going to age out. Young people want to see. Uh, and, and again, even people my age want to see more on demand on the Internet. You don't have to watch Tucker live. You don't have to wait till 10 o'clock or wait till you uh, they, they put mm -hmm. clips out on YouTube. You can see it. You can figure out whenever you can and you can comment on it directly. Those, that's the big deal when it comes to the internet. And the other thing is, with Twitter, at least at this point, and again, we, who, who knows what the future lies, it looks like that uh, Tucker can say whatever he wants and not have to worry about any backlash as far as uh, sponsorships and, uh, and ownership of uh, said corporation who owns the media. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Risk, to your, to, what do you think about the fact that maybe it's time that we abandon the traditional forms of information sharing? I think they're definitely getting more popular because they have more truth to them. The, the larger corporations with the larger media behind them, they're, they're totally controlled by, you know, people that don't want us to fully know what's going on. So we're just naturally gravitating towards smaller media channels because it's where you'll get actual honest information. Um, Tucker Carlson went on a podcast recently, the Full Send podcast, and he talked about a lot of stuff, saying that there's a lot of stuff that he was not able to talk about on Fox. And he talked about some of the largest military contractors. He said that he had this full story about military contractors uh, retrieving um, extraterrestrial aircraft, and he listed the contractors that are reverse engineering them. And he said he had this full story, but Fox wouldn't let him really talk about it. And um, he's, you know, just whether it's, right. you know, true or not, I don't know. But Tucker said that his dad was a part of the government. Like he was born in D.C. He's been a part of the establishment for a while. So, and, Chris, have you read oh. the book uh, Day After Roswell? Uh, no, I have not. Um, so, oh, that is a uh, referenced by Annie Jacobson, who I, I yeah. read her books. So, um, so I, I've said this in an interview the other day because this keeps coming up. I wonder why. Uh, the day after Roswell is, is the account of uh, Colonel Philip Corso, who worked in the precursor of DARPA. And according to him, uh, indeed, an, a, a, a something crashed in Roswell in 1947. He was part of the distribution of technology. The technology went to all the services. And to your point, the reason nobody can find it is because it went to multiple bureaucracies who do not want to share and multiple contractors who have no interest in sharing other than to make profit. And so if you read The Day After Roswell, his, the way he describes it makes perfect sense based on the way things work in the real world. And I highly recommend the book. I have, you know, I'm not part of the book. I, don't, I get nothing out of the book. I'm just saying it, it's a good book that people, <laughs> if they're curious about this topic, should read as a, as a primer. And uh, I took it to a guy back when I was a, a, an operative at Defense Intelligence. I took it to one of the senior GS-15s, a, a guy who was involved in technology. And I said, I gave him the book. I said, read this book. Tell me what you think. And so after he read it, he came back and I said, OK, so how accurate is this book? And he said, oh, about 80 percent, 80 percent. So oh. if you if you presume that 80 percent of the book's accurate, that means the fundamental premise that an, a, an object crashed in Roswell is true. Mm -hmm. Those Melmachians were very, very advanced. Who? <laughs> Melmachians. Hey, Willie, where oh. are the kids? Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So I a sandwich. Nanu, nanu. <laughs> oh, gosh. 
he can anyway, travel. But, but no, I think it's it's one of those things that uh, if if they're as I said, if they're willing to lie to co- lie about COVID, what what are they not willing to lie about? What is it that, that they would not be willing to lie about? <laughs> yeah, you're right. There's some so a reporter asked uh, a reporter asked Karine Jean Pierre, "Are we alone?" And of course, uh, you know how she answers questions. Karine Jean Pierre. Yes. Yeah, she doesn't answer anything with a direct answer. Well, we got. She stutters a lot. We're going to hold it right here, and 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 we don't we don't talk about that. But this president has done lots of good things. This president brings up more jobs. This president, but uh, again, that's how she dodges the question. I I miss circle back thanks to her. All right, let's just put it that way. <laughs> well, it is it is. Um, what is this month? It's like you can circle back a lot during Gay and Lesbian Month. Is that what this is right now? LGBTQ. Oh, XYZ, yeah. whatever it is. I call it June. That's what I call it. I call it June. June. <laughs> you know, there's a BT song. You know, I'm a fan of a guy named BT, and it, there's a song called Flaming June. It's one of his hits. I guess it's true. I guess it could be true. I mean, I'm I'm not flaming. Nothing, not not I'm not saying something wrong with it. I'm just saying it could, <laughs> it could be a flaming June for some people. Nobody Justin here. Bieber's dad comes out today in the news and says, thank a straight person. <laughs> Justin Bieber's dad did not kill himself. There we go. That, that's a good thing. That's, that's it's pretty, pretty bad well. when you have to say that, isn't it? It's pretty bad. Man, it's a oh state man. of affairs. Tony, yeah. let's get your take on this. Let's move to the sure. financial end. The, right. United States Nas- the United States national debt spikes by 359 billion smackaroonies. First yeah. day after the debt ceiling agreement so it was, uh, was put into effect and signed. Check this out. It didn't take very long for the government to get back to their old spending ways, now did it? Of course. So, I mean, uh, look, my take on this is pretty simple. If you give people who are addicted to spending more money, they're going to spend it instantly. I mean, this is not rocket science, literally. And this is one of those things I get fed up on both sides. And I talk about my, to, to my, my kids often. It's like the unbelievable debt we're settling you with is, is not acceptable. And I don't know how it is. But, the, but this is the other thing. The, the, the converse of this is... They've decided to print so much money that there's no linkage between appropriations of dollars, that is our taxes, and their spending. There's no link, nothing. So essentially, as far as I'm concerned, and a number of other thinkers agree with my assessment, uh, taxation is a punitive uh, uh, action against the people of the republic because there's no, they, you don't need our taxes to run the country. They've proven that over and over. Our taxes simply become something that burdens us, restricts our freedoms, it's, it's essentially a freedom tax, if you want to put it in terms that people will understand, and has no relevance or linkage to the, the, the activities of the government. So it's time people start recognizing that what we're being held to regarding being responsible, the government does not have any responsibility. I mean, imagine if you can't, if you will, that you're making $100,000 a year, yet your, your, your expenses are about two fifty, you know, $250,000. And you go to the bank, it's like, you know, God bless it. I, I've blown through, you know, all the money you loaned me. Do you mind if I have another, I don't know, million dollars of, of, of things? Oh, sure. Sure. Good. There you go. Yeah, keep spending. <laughs> Nobody lives like that. It's not possible. But yet that's what we have in the form of the government. And again, I, I, I don't see how this is hard for people to see. I mean, risk, and who what, are we in debt? How, how do people not see this? Well, the Federal Reserve is a private corporation, isn't it? It is. Well, it's it is it's a non-governmental corporation. It is not linked to the government yet. Not linked it, to it, the government. The yeah, sure. Yeah, it, it's officially officially it's not linked to the government. Uh-huh. So, so then we're being forced by the government to pay taxes to a something that's not connected to the government. Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is just. 
Yeah, that makes no, you're right, Russ. It makes no sense. There's no logic at all. And Check so racking up the debt, racking up the debt is is uh, enslaving us to them then. Absolutely. Riss, check out um, Freedom from Freedom to Fascism by Aaron Russo. Oh, it's yeah. A, a documentary from Freedom That's to good. Fascism by Aaron Russo, um, director. And it's uh, interesting about the about taxation, how it came about. And just it's just interesting. I think you would find it interesting as a researcher. Yeah. Taxation has no purpose other than to be a, a punishment to citizens at this point in time. So it's been great having everybody here today. Uh, Riss, thank you for joining us. I hope thank you, you for uh, joining, enjoyed Riss. the experience. Uh, I, I hope did. Thanks it. so much for having me. Yeah, we'd like to have you back sometime. We'd like to continue the discussion, especially to expand out into some of the other areas that we all, I think, observe as questionable that we should, mm -hmm. I think, spend some time discussing. And obviously, we appreciate you being here as, as someone who's of a different generation, who basically mm -hmm. uh, does not have... Uh, any sort of goiter problems or anything else like us, you know. Uh, those of us are getting old and, Hammer you know, toes. So we appreciate your youth and your 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 intuitive uh, interest in what's going on. So, and thank you all uh, for joining us on the Heart of Truth here on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network. Thanks, Sheree, for our bumper music and our theme, and we'll be back real soon.